Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome back to the West Under Sport QBR podcast for the final time in what has been an eventful but very challenging 12 months for the club and supporters. Given the large number of games coming up between now and the new year, and I'm refusing to use the old thick and fast line, we thought it'd be good to wrap it up here for 2023 and look ahead to the festive fixtures. Uh, I'm joined as always by Kevin Gallant, and if you've been watching Sky News over the last week or so, Christmas music and charts expert Paul Stokes, who in his day job hangs out with the cool kids at BBC Six Music. Afternoon, lads. Afternoon. Um, right at the start, well, with the uh, disappointing result at Sheffield Wednesday, a game that Rangers led in for 86 minutes and should really have closed out and missed two very good chances to win the game um, late on. And then hit by a sucker punch, 95th minute winner um, and leave with nothing. It was a... Uh, Lads, so I'm assuming you both, well, I know you both watched it kind of um, remotely. What what were your takes on what you witnessed over the kind of 97 minutes and what went wrong? I mean, it, it, it's got to be one of the results. I think it's that, you know, having turned the corner in terms of defeats, that, that result was so crushing to see um, come up. And it just kind of, how, how have we managed to be to be leading for that long in a game? You know, and you know, having seemingly got some confidence back as a squad, and then just to, to just to, to lo- not to get just get the draw, but to lose was was really. Um, I don't know. I felt we played a little bit into their hands. I think you know, you, you're you're at home, a team that are definitely going to sort of you know, at the, you know, you're in trouble like we are. You're at home, and at the end of the game, they're just going to come and press you. And I think we perhaps could have maybe uh, the game management, as they like to say, wasn't wasn't there in the in the last sort of twenty minutes of that game where we could have just kept the ball a lot more being a possession side and 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 try and stifle them i think we we let them you know hit the long balls and uh really put ourselves under pressure in a way that that surprised me a little bit kevin yeah i mean watching the first half it was quite controlled it wasn't really much going on for both teams uh we went in, in into the lead um and then we started second half all right 
and and it's always like moments in matches that you look back on and you know field's got a really good chance to make it two really good chance and you are thinking you decide for just put your foot through it and you know really test the goalkeeper i mean uh then you know they get a little bit of a lucky goal because he sliced it but the pressure was coming <laughs> And then, yeah, as Paul said, the game management at the end with the last goal, with the second goal. I mean, Kakai had a, a half-decent chance where you either cross it or you shoot. And either. It was like, a, I don't know. And then, and, then, and then the poor goal at the end where, you know, it starts off with Willock and Chair and that, down that left-hand side, uh, left-back area. Just, you really just got to put your, your, your foot through it and, uh, you know, Put your foot through it, get 50 yards up the pitch. They'll probably regain possession, but then you're 20 yards further up the pitch. You're a little bit more organised. They mess about. They get given a corner. And then <clears throat> Barry Bannon, who everyone knows is left foot and has got a really good left foot. You sort of... You, you, Ilya's chair's got to show him the line onto his right foot. It has to. I mean, it's basics of game management and game intelligence where you know this, this player who's been around for so many years he's all left foot and he's got a quality left foot and he manages to put in a really fine cross at the end that we don't defend at the back post and then you know fair play uh, to Sheffield Wednesday they capitalised on that uh, on those uh, couple of mistakes and uh, from being 1-0 up with like 5-10 minutes to go to then lose 2-1 and we talked about this last week um, in before you know you said is it relegation six pointer I didn't think it was for QPR but I did think it was for them because they were seven points behind us and that would have put us ten points in the clear of Sheffield Wednesday and now it's down to four so they've dragged us back into that situation uh, where a win would have got us out of the bottom three and that, that's like a, a really good psychological boost, not just for the team, but for the supporters going into the Christmas period when you're out of that relegation zone. So, you know, the last two performances haven't been great and they've only produced one point. Um, so last two, two games have been disappointed points-wise and performance-wise. Yeah, because, I mean, at, at one stage there, just like the, you know, I, I, took the, I did check the league table as it stands and, you know, they're up to 18th and you sort of go psychologically at that bottom three. It's a kind of, you know, a, uh, you know, a real kind of mood lifter, um, for want of a better phrase. Um, it did feel like, I remember thinking, like, you know, they, they do need a second goal here because it just, they were letting Sheffield Wednesday were back into it. But, I mean, they never looked like scoring, to be honest. They kind of, you know, the crowd were getting frustrated, crosses were going into the stands. They just never really had any quality. <clears throat> and then... You know, there it is, the ball's put on a plate for Sam Field and I mean, just put your laces through it, you know, and kick it straight at the keeper and then they, they go down the other end and score straight away. It's the ultimate, ultimate sucker punch. But then you just think, well, okay, well, don't lose the game. And then, you know, sometimes we want to see pretty football and that, but sometimes you just got to do the basics. Just get, just lump it upfield, get rid of it. Rose Ed, you know, don't lose the game. And, you know, they, they've thrown it away, really, I thought. But, I mean, we, we, we touched on it off screen Kev I mean there was a few changes made and you know he tinkered with you know the system and the formation throughout the game um which on one hand you know he's got most things right so Fuentes you have to say um 
perhaps didn't get it all right this time, but I do think I can see reasons why he did what he did, but it just didn't didn't work. Yeah, I mean, it's all it's all in hindsight, isn't it? Um, we win that game one nil, and he's back to doing everything correct. You lose it two nil. Well, I'm a I'm a big believer to get your best players on the pitch as often as you can. Try and get into a lead, and then take them off and give them a rest. Give them 60, 70 minutes, and uh, and then bring them reinforcements. Um, maybe he's looking at this um, Christmas period where the games, you know, you know, Saturday was it Saturday, Tuesday, then boxing. Well, yeah, Saturday, Tuesday, then 29th. I'm looking at it, and, and there's so many games, and it, and it is a tough period uh, in uh, the championship because there's so many games. Um, in such a short short space of time, so he might be just thinking saving legs a little bit, but in the end, it hasn't. Uh, it sort of backfired a little bit because we haven't got the points that you know going into the Plymouth at home, Sheffield Wednesday away. You're thinking you take three points at Plymouth, you get a draw at Sheffield Wednesday, and that's a, and then the whole game, and you, you're looking at seven points in nine in a week, and that's a, and that's really good going in you know wherever you are on the table. But those three games, we've come away with four out of nine and we're a little bit disappointed because, you know, 10 men against Plymouth, I think you can nick this and then you go one nil up and five minutes to go against Sheffield Wednesday, who, by the way, I didn't think were a great team. I mean, look, looking back at the match, um, you know, it was actually a very, like, very boring match for me watching the first half at home. And, uh, I thought if you you know nick this one nil, then you're well on the way going into that Christmas period with confidence and you know at that um, relegation zone. And we've got really three tough matches coming up um, in the next week or so. So I'm sure the manager will be disappointed, the fans are disappointed, the players will be disappointed because, like you said, we're one one with a couple of minutes to go. They'll probably come off disappointed. But you see the game out and you take a point and you say, well, we've taken a point. We've kept them seven points below us and we haven't. Yeah. To lose it, it's very disappointing. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I mean, there were some positive, I thought, out of the game. I thought Kenneth Powell was really good, actually. He had a really good game. Um, probably his best game of the season. I thought the two centre-backs, by and large, were good. Dunn and, and Clark Sorter, I thought they played all right. Um, you know, I, I don't... I don't mind. I mean, like, mixing it up the centre-backs, I don't think it's been too detrimental. Um, the last two games, I think, I think Dunn's played both games, but Clark Salter and and um, um, Cook Cook have both, um, you know, when they come in, they've done all right. Um, I just think, um, I mean, I, I didn't mind. I didn't mind. I can understand what he was doing. He started Sinclair Armstrong because he wanted him and Smith up front with their pace to get behind, you know, a team that plays a high line on a big pitch. Um, he played Dixon Bonner because he wants better ball attention in the middle of the park. Um, I mean, he deserves a lot of credit, actually. He played three different positions on, on Saturday. He's played gone from centre midfield, right over three to right back, and then, you know, to a middle in a, in a two-man midfield and, you know, did an admirable job. He's a young player. He hasn't played many games, but I really like his attitude. And, you know, he's another one that's a positive, has been a positive since the front has come in. But, but again, like, I mean, really... I mean, Lyndon Dykes gets a lot of stick for not scoring enough goals, but if he's not scoring goals, he just needs to be better at holding the ball up, doesn't he? I mean, because ultimately, that whole defending from the front, you need to be a bit better at kind of, you know, 
sometimes it's not just all about putting ball in the back of the net, is it? It's about, you know, helping the team in other ways. Well, regarding that, holding the ball up, yeah, I agree totally. Lyndon Dykes and Sinclair Armstrong have a problem with where they actually can't retain possession for the for the team often enough in a game. And when you're under a bit of pressure and the ball goes up, you have to get hold of it as a centre forward. There's always some stage where, you know, coaches say, well, he can score. But if, if the centre forward don't get hold of the ball when it comes up, you're never going to get up the pitch mm. to score a goal. So you have to, at some stage in a match, get hold of the ball, link play up, and then the whole team moves up the pitch to then go and create it, to create a goal. And that is something, um, you know, watching that was very highlighted on Saturday where, you know, Sinclair Armstrong wants to run in the channel all the time. But there's sometimes the ball ain't there to run in the channel. You have to get hold of the ball and and link it to the midfielders. And then Lyndon Dykes is, I have to say, he's very, very good at flicking the ball on. But... If you're the only, if you're the last man and you're flicking it on, you're flicking it on to no one. Yeah. You have to really back into that centre half, try and get hold of it on your chest, or try and nod it down to a midfielder, or or the centre half doesn't get a clear header. The centre half, you back into him, and you sort of half bully him. You have a little wrestle up with him, and that centre half then just does a, a header into the midfielder, and hopefully your midfielder can anticipate that drop ball, that knockdown, and get hold of the ball. So. It's not all about flicking it on sometimes because sometimes you're just flicking it on to no one. You've got to make sure that centre-half don't get a clear header and then your midfielders can come in and nick the ball and, and play from there. But that's definitely something um, the team needs to improve on and the strikers need to improve on is ball retention when the ball comes up to them. Absolutely. Particularly if you're playing with a concern as your creative outlets, really. I mean, they are arguably the best players in that team and are most likely to be scoring goals at the moment. It does. It does I do find it quite frustrating that the strikers often are not finding them, you know, you like say it's flicking on to no one, or you know, you've almost you're almost got to get in this position where Armstrong and um Dykes need to be almost like the battering ram to create the space for Willock and Chair to be able to, to to work the more creative side of the game. It does seem to be a big disconnect with the sort of strikers we're playing and actually who are the players we're most likely to get us goals. Um, I do think the, the, the squad rotation has worked because I think we've got a much bigger match day squad now in terms of where we were, say, two months ago. There's a lot more fringe players who actually, if they come on, they've had a bit of experience. And I think uh, the manager deserves credit for having, you know, having taken those risks and building a squad. What, what frustrated me slightly this week was was, was Plymouth, a, a team floating around where we were, and Sheffield United Wednesday, game, a team below us. Were they the games to rotate for? I think this is sometimes a danger if you get too into the rotation process, is that you're not looking at the calendar and going, actually... Let's go and win. These two games are very winnable. You know, if you rotate against Southampton and you sneak something amazing, but no mm. one's going to be sitting there going, "Now oh, Southampton, that's you, 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 we, we've got to play our best players. We, we've got a chance of winning. We, we probably don't, let's be honest. But against those two games, particularly against Plymouth, I was a bit, you know, obviously, when the, game, the way that game started, we were absolutely awful for the first 10 minutes. Mm. I mean, they could have been two up, Plymouth. I mean, that's, that's not, you know, yes, the, the, the sending off obviously changed the game in our favour. We had a lot of possession, a lot of chances towards the end of that match. But I did wonder, was that, were those the two games that you should be rotating or were those the ones where you go, right, this is it. We go full power. We get, you know, four points hopefully across the two games and then go, OK, then we can rotate and make the most of the Christmas period when rotation will have to happen because, you know, people will be tired. Yeah, there did seem to be a lot. Of, I mean, it wasn't just Dyke, to be fair, but I mean, the few other players, the, the ball was getting turned over far too regularly in the second half. You know, just loose passes and just kind of, I don't know, I wouldn't say tricks and flicks, but kind of like, you know, there's a time and a place for a no-look pass. And 
you know, in the 80th minute of a game and you're winning 1-0 in the middle of the park, it's probably not the best time to do it. You know what I mean? It's, it's sort of, there needs to be a bit of discipline there. Um, I mean, it's a bad result for me. It, it, I don't think it's the end of the world. I know it feels like the end of the world. It did feel like the end of the world at the final whistle, but um, I still think what you, I agree with you, Paul, what you said about the bench. I think from having no one on the bench and a very thin squad, without bringing any extra players in. The bench does look better now than it did, you know, a month ago. So that's positive. But I think, yeah, I, I do, th- I, I just don't think, do you think Kevin just hasn't found what his best team is yet? Maybe, maybe he's uh, he's looking at players. But it's, it's interesting because he starts Kelman right midfield, right wing against Plymouth. And then, was he on the bench on Saturday? No, I think he picked up a knock. Okay. All right. Yeah. Well, I, I just thought that would, but even that 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 decision to play Kelman against Plymouth when right, uh, I didn't. It didn't make sense to me because it's not. He hasn't got the legs to play that position for me. That's yeah. just my opinion. He's a centre forward or playing off a centre forward in the in the middle. He's not a wide player at all. So um, there has been some uh, sort of, you know. Word, you know, things are. I'm like, it'd be interesting to hear that why, why he did it and what was the thought process behind it. But looking from the outside, you're like thinking, no, I shouldn't do that. In my opinion, that's not a good decision. But Paul said, by and large, he has, he has, or it was a Ewan over the last six weeks, he's made some really good substitutions. And the one, the subs against Stoke were very good on the night. Um, but yeah, he probably, he, He's probably learning about the squad by watching them. And I mean, we could pick a team here and we'd probably be very similar, but he might be after something different. Mm. Regarding um, Paul said there a minute ago about, you know, we're playing Southampton on Saturday. And it's a tough game. Who, you know, Southampton have got a really good squad, sort of, you know, they should be in the, you know, in the top twos or, you know, definitely in the playoffs at the end of the season, but with their squad. But, um, uh, you know, is if we can nick a point against Southampton and then beat beat Millwall, you know, would, would we be saying you know one one against um, uh, sorry nick a point against Southampton and and make sure we beat Millwall because Millwall are two points ahead of us and they're in the mix they're not having a great time and will he ha- will the manager be having his eye on on that as in rotating or resting his better team for the Millwall game? Be interesting to see uh, what, what team and formation he puts out for this Saturday. How, how much do you think his lack of experience of this Christmas period? Because he said himself, you know, the league in Sweden sort of finishes now because it's just snow, you know, two foot of snow for the till March or whatever. And so, as a coach, he's never managed over this, you know, which a lot of European coaches just haven't because we have this crazy period where you play, you know, Tuesday, Monday, Tuesday, Friday, whatever over Christmas. How much do you think that might be just be daunting him? He looks at that and thinks, I've got a change it around. I just remember when Paolo Sousa was the manager of QPR and came in and he had a similar thing. I remember way at Charlton, there was a lot of rotation when we'd actually been on an OK run, I seem to recall. And it was like, is this a fear <coughs> as a coming in who's not used to this sort of run of games and going, right, I've got to change everything, you know, because this doesn't make sense. You know, this, this from the sports side's point of view, doesn't make sense. Whereas perhaps from our perspective as people watching the matches, you sort of go, just get that run, try and get through Christmas. Yeah, I mean, he, this will be something new to him, but I'm sure he, he's got a lot. He'll be getting a lot of advice from the sports scientists and um, and people around him. But um, it is. It, it, this, it, I mean, 
everywhere in Europe they have they have a break, and uh, and in this country it, it gets even more intense. And uh, as supporters and fans, I don't think we'd have it any other way, would we? Mm. It's brilliant, isn't it? But as um, a player, what was it like though? Was it like you know you, you just well, like you really, yeah, you just focus. You don't really have a Christmas. You don't really. It's Christmas is just another day. You go in in the morning as well, usually training. Sometimes you might they give you the day off, but you go in in the morning, train, and half an hour, 40, 40 minutes, bit of fun, and then it was basically see you tomorrow. Or one time we actually played Plymouth away on Boxing Day, which was unbelievable. I think we we met about five, six o'clock, five o'clock in the evening, trained for half an hour, 40 minutes, and then travelled down to Plymouth uh, Christmas Day, which was a bit strange, but it was a good laugh. Um, do you know what I mean? Um, but yeah, it, 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 this will be a new thing for the manager because, you know, and, and the intensity of the matches and the big crowds over the Christmas period. And it'll be interesting to see what, what, what what's he going to do. Is he, is he, has he got, he'll obviously want to be, he's got eyes on over, is, it, is his real eyes on the Millwall game? Because what is it? We've got Southampton, Millwall, Ipswich. Yeah. I, think. I mean, there's some, that is like three tough games. Not only the, you know, the Ipswich and the Southampton game where they're, Ipswich are flying and Southampton are, you know, want to get into them uh, promotion places. And then you've got a, a London derby, Boxing Day, and maybe, is it a six-pointer already? I don't know. But one thing QPR cannot do is lose to Millwall on Boxing Day because they're two points ahead and that would make them five points ahead. Yeah. You know, a draw would be a better result for QPR on, the, on that day than, than for Millwall. And then we've got Millwall again in the end of January as well. So, yeah, it's interesting to see how he will cope and what he will do. But I would say there will be a bit of squad rotation. But I'm, I'm really sort of interested to see will he play his, what we think is QPR's strongest team. We don't know what he... We don't know what he thinks is QPR's strongest team. Mm. But we, if we were to pick a QPR team now, we and the fans would probably, you know... Oh, maybe one or two play or one player. We could sort of pick what we think QPR's um, best eleven is to start. So we'll have to see. Yeah, I mean, I, I suppose we, we, just to play devil's advocate, I suppose we can't have it both ways. I mean, this team's been butchered by injuries for the last eighteen months. You know, they brought a guy in who's from Ineos Cycling, who's there to kind of assess this kind of injury crisis and what can be done to prevent it. So if they've got that in mind as well with the, you know, the long-term, you know, planning ahead, it kind of, it does make sense. But I suppose when you, when you, when you lose a game like that, you look at it and say, well, you should never change the team or it, it, it's a bit of a double-edged sword, isn't it really? Because. It's know, interesting everyone... as well, because I agree with Kevin totally about the Millwall game and being one to win. But then you go into January, or what you call it, giant January or super January, and you've got so yeah. many home games against teams that you, you could, you know, you would expect to be getting, not losing to at least, if not beating. And then you just think, is there that in looming in the back of their minds of actually the yes, this festive period, we've got to get through it. But if we get through it with minimal injuries, we've then got this amazing opportunity in January. We're at home every week and, you know, everyone's settled and you can really, really get stuck into the league table and you know, make the most of the home advantage. Yeah, I, I don't think you can be looking like that, though. I just think you just have to take every game and think, well, you'll get something out of this. I think once you start looking ahead and going, well, if we win this, we, I think that you come back come back to bite you. It's 
I just think it's an old cliche, isn't it? You know, take each game as it comes. But well, I think the manager can look ahead, but he can't let the players know that he's yeah. Yeah. and he has to concentrate with the players. Saturday is the most important thing, and then you recover on Sunday and you're focusing on the Millwall game. So he can look ahead and, and plan ahead, as in which he has been doing with the Plymouth selection and the uh, and then the Sheffield Wednesday selection, where he's planning ahead with his rotation. He can't let the players think that he's planning ahead. He's got to keep them, you know, this is the game, we're on the training pitch. And when he's having meetings with the players, we're concentrating on this. But, but I suppose as well that, I mean, would you have played other managers, Kevin? That I mean, Fuentes is obviously a you know, modern manager, very kind of forward thinking. You know, he's thinking, well, we play this team, they play that way. We're going to use these players to try and counter that and counter this. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There, will, there will be a bit of that. That's what, so you said that he, he wanted to play Armstrong and um, Smith. Smith on Saturday because they played a high line. Well, the reason why uh, Sheffield Wednesday played a high line is because their defenders were actually very quick. I thought they were like fast and, you know, Smith didn't get any change out of the left back and other than Sinclair, I think the first couple of minutes where he ran down the left-hand side, they had a, a, a quick centre-halves. So, and that's probably why they play a high line because they have got that pace where if you're slow, not particularly quick centre-half, you don't really play a high line. You've got to play a little bit deeper. So, they didn't get much change out of those... Um, out of those centre halves, and then that's where you've got maybe what he made a sub and brought Lyndon Dykes on to maybe retain the ball a little bit more and to get Ilias Chair and, and Chris Woolock on the ball much more, but it didn't sort of work out. Yeah, indeed. Right, Kev, look, you, you touched on you know Boxing Day or Christmas Day down at Plymouth for a Boxing Day fixture. I mean, Someone in the fixture department carved you up there, didn't they? That's a stinker of a fixture on Christmas Day. Awful. You've been pretty, they've been pretty kind this year. They got Millwall at the Den on Boxing Day, and then it's away to Ipswich on the 29th, and then Cardiff at home on, on New Year's Day. So it, it's, you know, but Plymouth away on Christmas, the Boxing Day, was that kind of the worst you can remember of a. Oh, yeah. Travelling wise, yeah. Definitely. It, we did have a laugh, but. You know you'd, almost, I mean? you'd almost Plymouth away. You'd almost be rather play Leeds away, wouldn't you? It's a bit of an easier journey to get the Leeds. It was straight up the M1. Um, yeah. yeah, Plymouth away was an absolute disaster. Um, it's just like weird. You're going into a hotel and it's sort of half dead. Do you know what I mean? There's not many people working. It's only like a. But that was. I mean, Millwall. That's like a. That's that's how it should be. It should. And, and it's not only that, but it's for, for the supporters. I mean, Mill Plymouth away on a Boxing Day, that's terrible. should be local. I mean, w when I was watching QPR, it was always in, in the early 80s. It was usually Chelsea home or away on Boxing Day. Yeah. And it was really good, wasn't it? Yeah, then it became like Norwich were a staple of like Boxing Day, weren't they? For yeah. Norwich. So it does look like it's deliberate this year, because obviously we've not played Millwall yet. We're, we're playing Southampton for the second time before we yeah. play Millwall. So yeah. obviously... Listened, it seems, although yeah. the games get moved, whatever, again by television, so it's yeah. not always a given. It works. So, Kev, for, for, for a 1 pm kickoff on Boxing Day in sort of in London, what would they do? Would they stay in a hotel before? Or well, they... I, think, I think they'll they'll either do two things they'll either train in the morning, Christmas Day, then go home to their families and then meet up at a hotel or meet at the training ground to go to a hotel 
on Christmas night, or they will train at the ground. I've done this before when we played uh, Arsenal Boxing Day, where you trained at QPR at, on, at the stadium, but they won't have to do that because they've got floodlights now at the training ground. So they train at the training ground. This is another way, maybe about six o'clock at night for an hour, go to a hotel. They'll, they'll definitely be in a hotel because it's a one o'clock kickoff. Mm. Uh, an early breakfast or pre-match meal, 10 o'clock, the latest, and then go to the game. But they will definitely be staying in a hotel on Christmas night. Hundred percent. Yeah. Honestly, people used to say, you know, oh, that's terrible. But when, once you're sort of into that sort of mode and in your football, you don't really care. It's it's just you know it's going to happen, and you just get on with it. It's no big deal, really. It just. How is it physically? Are you like in that period just constantly warming up and warming down? Because it seems like if you're playing on Monday and you've got a game Friday, then another game... Another yeah, it's tough. it's tough. But then it was tough for the other team. So it's just basically who, how you recover, how good you recover from the games. But also, that's the mental thing as well. You've got, you got to get on with it. Um, it is tough. You know, Boxing Day and then usually it's like two days later. It's basically, you, you go in the next morning and you just... You're just warming down, stretching, massage, a jog. You have a team meeting of, you know, um, yeah, definitely a team meeting of going through pretty much what team's going to be played, but also going through the, the opposition and their strengths and weaknesses. And then you're just back, back, to, back to playing the next day. So it's just, it is what it is. You just got to get on with it. And, uh, if you win matches, it's happy days. If you lose, it's you know it ain't great. But you know most no most the only person who doesn't sort of know about it or will be a shock to him is the manager mm. because everyone else is used to it in this country. Yeah, but uh, well, I think for him, his his family move over. I think this week they're moving over from Sweden, so that will make his life a little bit more normal. I think, and then. As you say, it's, I mean, I, when I brought up before that Roy Hodgson once said that it's more of a, a culture shock for the players and the coaches. Coaches coach and they just come in and work with the players. Whereas for a player to kind of come in and not be used to playing over Christmas, it must be a bit more difficult. Did you ever have that in your, Kev? Sort of foreign lads coming in and sort of... Yeah, it would be. It would be. How to deal with the kind of the whole madness of the, the Christmas period? Yeah, I'm sure it was a shock to them because they're not used to it. But we, we're used to it. Fans are used to it, support. We're all used to it. The players, it's just, just physically, and you know it's coming. It's the same at Easter. You play East, you know, you play Saturday, and then you play Easter Monday. And that's a tough turnaround as well. Because yeah. Not only you coming to the end of the season where you, you know, your your energy levels are are on the way down. They're not on the way up. And then to play Saturday, and that's a, I think that's a tougher one. The Saturday and the Monday one over Easter in in in, in back in the the olden days, <laughs> but, the old days, but that was a tough one. I always thought, and then you'd be delighted. You get that Monday out of the way and you would be really tired. And then you would probably get Tuesday would be like, see you Thursday. You have a couple of days off to rest and recover. And then you go again. And that, that, that Easter one is tough, really tough. Mm. Yeah. So Don't think you behave yourself around Christmas and that can be quite hard when people are trying to get you out and come on, come in. And you're like, no, no, I've got to stay in. 
So when when would, would the uh, when would the table Christmas parties happen then, Kev? Uh, the Christmas parties they'd be done by now. Last they'd be they'd be organised for the first week in December if there was like a Saturday to Saturday um, Saturday to Saturday um, fixtures. They would be going out on a Saturday, yeah, long, long, long before this. You can't go out. This is too tiring. I mean, I tried it. It didn't really work out well for me. <laughs> I had to go, but I, I learned my lesson. I learned my lesson when my dad seen my forehead sweating really profusely in uh, warm up. <laughs> I went, oh my god, he's the only one who's noticed. <laughs> so any, any fabled stories you can tell about Christmas parties for a family audience uh, well we I remember we used to go uh, it was always quite funny we used to go out for a meal I remember we were out for a big Christmas meal I was talking about this the other day and it's just absolutely childish and I remember just um, we were sitting massive table it must be about 30 of us and um, we are having Christmas dinner um, we was at them, that thing for school dinners and we all had school uniforms on. And then I think Birch was sitting next to me and Marcus Bean was down the far end. And and everyone said before, no, we're throwing food. Yeah, no, no throwing food. So we, I said, Birch, come on, let's, let's throw this Brussels sprout over there and, and keep our heads down and pretend <laughs> no one seems like that. Well, next thing there was there was food everywhere. It absolutely kicked off. We've come out of that place, everyone covered in gravy, chicken, Brussels sprouts. Yeah, uh, there was good times, funny. But um, yeah, we used to have some good good do's. And would that just be players? No management? No, no, just players, just players. What we used to do is, you know, with the fines, uh, used to fine each other. Well, basically, Paul Furlong used to pay for it because he was late every day for training. So, <laughs> cheers, Furs. <laughs> so, yeah, just the players. So, we'd have a, a, a fine, and I used to, one stage, collect the fines and hold it and then use it for the Christmas do and go out for a meal and then drinks and stuff, yeah. But, uh, but I suppose now for the modern players, it's harder and harder. Everyone's got a phone cam camera on their phone, haven't they? And yeah, I mean, there, there, there would be, I think, the big teams, they'll have a private place and I think they'll have to hand in their phones and all that. Or if any uh, ordinary folk like us would have to hand their phones in, they wouldn't be allowed in. But, wow. Yeah. Yeah, because, like you said, all these, just they're not, they're not phones, they're cameras, really. Mm. Everyone. On it. Yeah, but you can, you can behave. <laughs> but it is interesting. I was in a, I was in a pub in Shepherd's Bush um, after a game last year, and I'm not going to name the player, but he was a QPR player in in the pub, and he, he wasn't drinking. And uh, a fan asked him for a photo, and he was like, "Yeah, no problem at all." But can we do it outside? Because I don't, can't, I can't have a picture of me in a pub. And yeah, it's kind of sad. Really. Sorry, was that in Adelaide? Ian? No, it wasn't. No, it wasn't. Oh, no, it wasn't. Well, there's sort of a rule, isn't there? Um, it's a 48-hour rule that you're not allowed to be in a licensed establishment. Oh, before, yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, from Thursday on. And I remember having this... Oh, Tuesday night game. Is it, is it Tuesday night game? It was after the Tuesday. It was, it was Tuesday. Uh, I'm just saying, in general, there's a 48-hour rule where you're not meant to be in a... In a which... 
doesn't really stack up because, and I'll tell you why, because I remember, I think it was Jim Frailing uh, was leaving do, and I went down to the pub on a Thursday to just say goodbye or whatever, and they invited me. And Ian Holloway found out, and he started saying, you know the rules, you shouldn't be in a pub on a Thursday afternoon. And I was like, yeah, but I weren't drinking. He said, it doesn't matter. I went, yeah, I know, but I said, yeah, but Ollie, we stay in a hotel every Friday night. That's a, that's a licensed establishment. <laughs> <laughs> and he just went, oh. <laughs> I said, come on, make it make sense. <laughs> I, can't go to, I can't go to Sainsbury's and buy some food. There's booze everywhere. <laughs> so, yeah, that was a little bit of an argument about that. Yeah. So coming to a restaurant, you well, can't go to a restaurant and eat a meal, but because it was a pub, it was yeah. like, oh, but I won't I sell a coke, yeah, yeah, but with so whiskey. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, a large cognac, <laughs> yeah, with a cigar. <laughs> yeah. Well, when we return, probably in the new year, the transfer window will be open. I mean, it's a it's a big one for QBR, really, uh, Kevin. There's, I think it's a massive one, really. Be interesting if there's any bids coming in for like Chair or Willock, because like I said, Willock's got what six mm. months for his contract. Um, I'm, I would expect. I mean, we've gone over this again. They have to get a centre forward in. Mm. Have to on loan or just a striker just another striking option to someone that yeah, just just you know just to push the ones who are there but also uh, you know an impact maybe striker uh it, and a couple of impact subs Def, i think another a midfielder yeah. well i just think if you look back to mark warburton's team two years ago and they had charlie Austin, andre gray dykes Options off the bench, you know, Gray scored a lot of goals off the bench. Austin come off the bench and score goals. There's no one you look at now and go, someone to come on and just freshen up the attack. Um, so they definitely need... need that's, top, that's top priority. Has to be. I mean, we've talked about this numerous times as long as we've been doing this podcast. And, yeah. You know, there's got to be... It's interesting, Sunderland's uh, new managerial appointment, the name, obviously, and I won't mention uh, that might add to speculation, obviously, with Willock and Chair in terms of uh, the, the window and uh, the former Glasgow Rangers manager maybe being interested in some of those. Players. Maybe I've I've seen a bit of Sunderland this year. I don't think they I don't think either of the players is what they need. They've got plenty of kind of attacking ball players, you know, Clark and Pritchard and Patrick Roberts. These types of players, they're not really. I don't think um, that. Um, I mean, what they're, they're like everyone else. They need. They've got four. They've signed four strikers in the summer, Sunderland, and not one of them have scored yet. Yeah. So they're off, they'll be after a striker. I so mean, they'll like, be after strikers, aren't they? Really? Come on, um, Millwall. I think I will be after a striker. I mean, Millwall have been after Linda Dykes the last two transfer windows. Yeah. So interesting to see if they'll come back in for him. But now they've got a new manager, mm. they might not want that type of player. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it'd be interesting. I mean, then he I think. Um, I mean, we will talk about fullbacks. I think fullbacks are okay at the moment. Um, I'd prefer someone who's maybe a bit more a better option at right back than Ozzy Kakai, to be honest. I think he's better suited in the middle. But I mean, I mean, attacking options have got to be. It's got to be attacking options. I mean, that's really where they're. they're like. I think everyone else, everywhere else, they're reasonably 
solid, but it's just, I mean, defensively, apart from Saturday, they have tightened up quite a bit. So I think they're okay, sort of central defensive wise, but I think, you know, it's a glaring, glaring, you know, gap there that they, they need to get, you know, at least two strikers in, I think. Two. Yeah. Presumably the financial wiggle room isn't going to be huge, though, based on the uh, they are in the cycle. So presumably loans are probably the... Oh, yeah, almost certainly. Almost certainly he'll be loans. Yeah, might be a loan with a view to a, to a permanent in the summer. Um, but it'd be interesting to see what he does because, you know, obviously it's not his squad, is it? He's kind of players there that he's, he's had a good look at the squad now and he'll have an idea of who can do what for him or who can't do what and where he wants to go where he wants to go forward. So there might be, you know, we can see who comes and who goes. Um, so, yeah, right. Okay. Um, so Southampton, final game before Christmas at Loftus Road. Be another big crowd there. They're going to bring, you know, sold out away end. They're flying high at the moment. But this was a game that Rangers acquitted themselves pretty well at St. Mary's early in the season. Um, Paul? Yeah, I thought we were decent at St Mary's. I think a kind of a, a refereeing advantage that then was pulled back kind of really did them a favour in terms of their their, their winning goal. I mean, I, I can't... There are, are they is it 13, 12 or 13 games with that unbeaten? So, I don't know. I can't. I, I couldn't predict this winning. But, I mean, I could see this maybe maybe a draw, like a 1-1, a 0-0. Mm. You know, we'll obviously be perhaps a bit less adventurous than we've been in the last couple of games in terms of the attacking. So maybe we can. And I don't. I don't know. I'm not. I've not seen uh, Southampton that recently, but I do remember they do like to pass the ball side to side a lot. Well, it's a Russell uh, Martin team, isn't it? I think they're going to be very similar. They're going to be very similar to Hull, aren't they? Yes. Just maybe, maybe us being a bit more resolute and a bit more less adventurous, and them just passing it side to side. You know, maybe a, a nice stalemate would suit. I think at this stage. I mean, it's. What will the tactics be? Because they do like to pass the ball around the back, and the goalkeeper comes out. Well, you know, into sort of no man's land in, in mm. normal terms, and, and passes the ball. Are you going to go and squeeze really high and put them under pressure, or are you going to let them have the let them have it there and and say, "Come on, break us down and hit them on the counter attack." Um, you know. What, what do you do? It'd be interesting again. What sort of um, how he's going to shape up and how he's going to tactically, um, you know, at the end of the day, we're at home. We need points. There'd be a big crowd. David would bring a big uh, away, but I'm sure QPR will have the, the whole three ends packed out because it's a good game. Ex Premier League team from last season. Are we going to go and put it right right on top of them, or are we going to let them have the ball? And uh, you know, is he gonna is he gonna go a little bit, you know, longer, or is he gonna, you know, concede possession? So I don't know. We'll, we'll see. But I would I, I would take a one-one draw now. Yeah, and then yeah. go into the Millwall game. Yeah, I think yeah. it's. Um, I mean, they Russell Martin teams when he was at MK Dons, when he was at Swansea. That's what they do. They pass for the sake of passing. It's kind of death by a thousand passes almost, and. I think it's going to be quite similar. The, the whole play in a similar sort of way. Decent side, but there's passing again. They're another side that pass for the sake of passing. Um, you know, there's not so many forward passes. It's very much kind of side to side and then sort of... Um, and it's interesting that Sefuentes said after the whole game that um, they had been 
noted in the scouting report that the goalkeeper was very uh, dodgy on his left foot. So just pressure him, pressure him, pressure him, trying and it'll panic. And I'd imagine they'll do a similar thing. They'll try and just press from the front, press, press, press. And I mean, the way to beat a press is to go over the top, isn't it? And I, that's not really what Russell Martin teams do. They don't go long. They just kind of... Well, that's what I'm saying. Do you let you... If they have a goal kick, do you let the goalkeeper kick it long and then win the first ball or do you let them have it? So it will be interesting. I mean, they've got Adam Armstrong as well. He's, he's going to be, I think he's going to fall into one of those brackets of players that have made a lot, a lot of money out of football because they're too good for the championship. They're not quite good enough for the Premier League. So they're always going to get a big money move to somewhere. Um, you know, he's always done well against QPR. He's called the winner at St Mary's. Early in the season, he's, he's he's a real live wire of a player. I, I, I like him as a player. I think he's a good player. Um, so gonna have to watch him. And they've got Ross Stewart, the um, the former Sunderland striker. You know, yeah, so he's a big lad, a bit of a focal point for them if they do go long. So they've got all the boxes ticked. But um, I do think. I mean, I wasn't that impressed with them early in the season. I really wasn't. Um, I thought they were okay. And they got done by 5-1 at Sunderland early in the season. But there's a lot of water under the bridge since then. So they're in good run of form. But I don't think Rangers should be too afraid of playing them. I think, you know, I think they can get something out of this game. I really do. But they need to be better than they were in the last two matches to do so. And um, I do kind of feel like that it almost feels like losing away to Sheffield Wednesday. It feels like a bit of a kind of comforting welcome return to type for QPR. <laughs> <laughs> You know, go and beat Hull at home. You know, don't play great against Plymouth and then go and lose up north to a lousy team on the road when you win winning 1-0, 86 minutes played. It's sort of, you know, and then play Southampton and probably get something out of the game. So if that is the case, then I'll, you know, I'm all for it. <laughs> so, um, but so I'm going to go for a draw as well. I think it would be, uh, I'm going to go, I'm going to go 2-2. I think it'd be an exciting game. I think, um, I'm, I'm probably just saying that because I I agree with Kevin two one last week and we can't say the same score this week so I'm going to go I'm going to go two two. Um, Paul. Uh, one all. One all. Okay. Stout. Draws all round. Right. Okay. Well, gentlemen, thank you very much for your time. Thanks for joining us um, throughout the year. Much appreciated. Um, and have a lovely Christmas. And um, we shall see you all in the new year. Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.